0: Live at 5 Sports, Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Another nice win for the Twins uh, last night, Jim. Uh, We're talking about 1230. The game this afternoon hasn't happened just yet, so we won't talk about that one, obviously. But uh, Kenta Maeda had some wicked stuff going on last night. That uh, split-finger fastball, that was part of what got him as the runner-up in the Cy Young in 2020. That looked like it was back to 24 again.
1: And it looked great. Uh, he's just throwing frisbees up there right now. Every ball is moving. Every ball moving in different directions. He's command. He always had composure and intelligence. Uh, when his arm's healthy, he's just this is how good he is. Uh, and just a fascinating start to the post-break season. Um, they are five and one, and they have been scoring a million runs. They've been taking a much better approach. They've been driving the ball to the opposite field, and they're doing it without Buxton. <laughs> and and they're doing, and frankly. Uh, Ober and might have been their best pitchers for about the last month, so you know they're they and Pagan is pitching in the eighth inning and pitching well uh so it's it's like everything you would couldn't that's why I love baseball uh everything you couldn't or wouldn't predict is happening for this team right now,
0: yeah, you know. I there's no way I would have predicted that Buxton would struggle as much as he has uh, no. uh, to do that. And I certainly wouldn't have had the Twins as the second-best pitching staff in baseball, at least numbers-wise no. at this point either. So, yeah, that is what makes it a fascinating game.
1: It is. And, and you know, I, when I started covering baseball, I just talked to a lot, you know, I became friends with and talked to a lot of the great baseball writers in America. Because covering baseball is different than covering another sport. It's a traveling carnival. You're on the road, you know, 100 more or more days a year, you basically live with these people, uh, and it's a subtle game. It's like, you know, what what does it take to be a, a great middle linebacker of football? Well, you better be big, strong, and fast, and smart, at least football smart. Uh, what does it take to be a great pitcher? Well, you can throw 105, or you can throw 89 with movement, or you can cut your pitches, or you can be a one-pitch guy like Mariano Rivera, or you can have eight pitches like Sonny Gray, or you can <laughs> change your approach every time. I mean, you know, there's no answer. There's no answer. And so, that you know, I remember talking to Tim Kirkson, a good friend of mine, a long time ago. He said that Steph Curry might have a mild shooting slump, but he's never going to sh- forget how to shoot the ball. He's never he's not going to have to stop and, like, take a break in the middle of the season. He said, there are baseball players who forget how to hit. There are baseball players whose entire fortunes will be determined by how they grip their slider. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's it's such a subtle game, and that's why – you know, and listen, this is a very depressed fan base, and people get really frustrated with the Twins. They just want the Twins to win every day, because they want, the, want everything to be simple, and they want the team to make them happy. Yeah. And I, I find myself just constantly telling them, baseball's different, mm. and it's no matter how disgusted you might get with the team, the franchise, it doesn't mean they're not going to win tomorrow or next year, or uh, that the player you hate might not turn around. I was done with Kepler. Yep. He's swinging it great right now. Um, you know, i I, I thought Julian would be a good rookie hitter. I didn't know he'd become their best player, best hitter immediately. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just cannot. And, and I didn't think that Jeffers is going to be a better player than Vasquez this year.
0: Right. That, that's a big one as well. I mean, after all, they spent $30 million on on Vasquez to bring him up. So Polanco is playing and hitting at AAA. Uh, when might we see him? And then what do you do with Julian?
1: Well, I do think that Julian hitting like this, means that you don't have any reason to rush. And they say they never rush anybody, but sometimes you might call somebody up a day or two early and yeah. think he's really ready. Uh, it means you don't have to rush him. It means you don't have to play him every day if he's not swinging well. Uh, what does it mean for the lineup? The amazing thing is that, okay, you don't want to take Kirilov out now. Although, the nice thing about Polanco, he can, you know, he's a switch hitter, so you can play some platoon games here if you need to. Yeah. Um, now, Julian's hitting everybody right now. You're not going to bench him while he's hitting everybody. But... You know, maybe the way Buxton's swinging. Maybe Julianne plays four games at second and one game at DH a week. Uh, maybe Karoloff sits against lefties and Polanco, or Polanco plays first base against lefties. Um, you know, you know. Maybe Karoloff plays left field, so Polanco will play first base. Uh, you know, maybe Farmer loses a little bit of playing time, but he swung the bat really well. I thought Farmer looked like he was a hundred years old before the break, and now he's got life in his bat and his body again. So, you know, I hate saying this. But it's always true. As soon as we start worrying about them having too many good players, hmm. somebody slumps and somebody gets hurt.
0: Is it possible? Uh, you know, uh, they, a couple seasons ago, they were moving Polanco around a little bit between second and third. Could he see some at bats at third base?
1: I would like that. Yeah. Now, you know, now when if Julian keeps hitting and they get Royce Lewis back in three weeks or whatever, now you have a real log jam. But for now, I would play Polanco. I would play Polanco at third. Uh, not you know, and he
0: can do the job over there yeah yeah uh let's talk uh, the open uh, as they like to call it the british open more of us call it here in the united states and it's uh it's always fun to have uh you know some some local players uh especially in this particular tournament and that's tommy fleetwood and he shot an opening round 66 and is on the lead and seems like a, a likeable guy but it's hard to lead from round 1 and and still wind up winning the tournament
1: Yes, it's, it's fascinating. That, you know. And we're seeing R- Rory McIlroy with traditional disappointing Thursday performance, mm-hmm. even coming off a, a win. He just isn't sharp today. Um, Fleetwood looked great. Um, I just don't know that I see anybody on the top of the leaderboard who's going to be there on Sunday. Fleetwood has a chance. Yeah. He does have a world-class game. Uh, he is a world-class player. Uh, I just, just when I watch him play, I never – he's one of those guys I just don't – and this is probably completely unfair – but just as an outside observer, somebody who's been around him, you almost get the sense oh, he's a nice guy having fun playing golf. You don't get the sense he's oh my god he's driven to get that major championship. I'm sure he is driven, yeah. but he never gives me that sense that oh he's gonna just take off and dominate this tournament.
0: Yeah, that's 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 for sure. And yeah, it's uh, opening day uh, is all for that. So still time left. Uh, Wyndham Clark, uh, a good opening round. You know, there's been people kind of expecting Wyndham Clark to have that breakout season. Prior to this, and it just took him a little bit longer uh, to get to it, but he certainly looks like he has game.
1: He has a lot of game, and I guess if there's anybody on the leaderboard that I go, hmm, maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's maybe it's his week. Mm-hmm. Boy, the way he played at the U.S. Open, the fact that he's already jumped out near the lead uh, today, uh, he just he's somebody I wouldn't write off, and he's also you know he also reminds me of what I worry about with McElroy. Mm-hmm. McElroy prides himself on hitting the huge long big high draw that's his stock shot yep. and it's so impressive and it gets some extra yards up to tee, which is why he's very the best driver of the ball in the game with the possible exception of Scheffler. be Scheffler's straighter and but as you know draw hitting a draw requires timing hmm. and what might well, what might you lack under intense pressure you might lose a little timing or a little bit of feel uh, Wyndham Clark plays what looks like a big slice hmm. he starts he'll start the ball 20 20 yards left of his intended target and just let it glide back and it reminds you of Nicholas Nicholas most accurate long driver in history he played a, a nice high fade and he just hit fairway after fairway and when Clark does that
0: every time I try to go that power fade it winds up to be a dead pole uh, straight line
1: yeah <laughs> I'm know. with you. I'm with you. Yeah, these these guys are special.
0: Lynx <laughs> back in action tonight in Minneapolis against the Los Angeles Sparks who are 7 and 13 on the season. Uh have the Sparks lost some veteran players as well from their squad. I mean, they were a contender for several years.
1: They've they've really, you know, ever basically the Lynx and the Sparks were kind of the class of league yeah. for a handful of years there. They're just, you know, they're just not the same. Can't, you know, they just yeah, they don't have they're just an average team. They really don't have star-caliber players anymore. Uh, and they're, and that's why this is kind of a big game for the Lakes. They've lost three in a row. They're playing a team that they're really contending with for kind of those mid-level uh, playoff spots. And this is the kind of game they got to win. Uh, you know, It's one thing to get blown out by Vegas. It's another thing to get blown out by Atlanta. Uh, they really need to win this kind of a game if they're going to have any kind of season.
0: Yeah, no doubt, and and it you know they did get back into it, but then the three game uh, losing streak uh, a little bit here, and and uh, you know it, it's kind of like that. The problem in the WNBA is what it's a thirty four game schedule, so you can't afford too many of those three and four game losing
1: streaks. Yeah, I think it's thirty six. Thirty six. Okay. Right, uh, thirty six or forty? I, can't, I don't. Know, I can't remember right yeah. now. It used to be thirty. I think it was thirty six last year. Might be forty uh, this year. But, okay. But yeah, same same points. Um yeah. they and. In the post-championship years, the Lynx have gotten off to a lot of terrible starts. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's been because key players were overseas. Sometimes it's because key players started the season injured. Sometimes Cheryl was basically revamping her roster and trying to play a different style like this year. Mm-hmm. And her team just you know, took a while to get rolling. But it's, it's just too short a season to be able to afford those slow starts. Yeah, that's right.
0: Uh, Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at Five Sports at Todd and Sue Ann, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.